You are listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah. I got nothing. You have nothing? There's no significant bit of history that I can find to pull forward <laughs> to tie in with today's episode. Oh, man. I'm about to fall out of my chair. You're at a loss for words. I, I, I this am. This never happened before. I am. I am. I am. Remember that scene in The Godfather where a guy wakes up in a bed with the head of his prized racing horse? Have you ever seen that? Uh, that's gross. Well, today we're going to be talking about a story that seems to be taken from that movie, but <laughs> it's in real life. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This one is like truly bizarre. Yeah. And this time, instead of like a mob, it was done by one of the world's biggest leading tech companies. And if you hear about this, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, then just sit back and let us tell you the <laughs> tale up. of the marketers that allegedly thought they were the mafia. Mm. It's crazy. I mean, if you think of online companies, what makes them successful? Is it their click-through rates? Is it their social media followers? Is it their shipping speed? User experience. User experience. Or you might say, hey, ratings and reviews are pretty important. Yeah, the most important thing at this point now. So there is no justification for anything that these people did. I don't care how bad the reviews are. I don't care. <laughs> Allegedly did. Allegedly did. That's a great place for me to say, like, everything we're going to be discussing today is in the news. And we pulled it from indictments. We pulled it from newspaper articles. And this is an ongoing investigation so these people allegedly did these things, so we, but we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll state the facts as it is and try not to have any opinion. And I know that's going to be very difficult for you, Chad. <laughs> I have an opinion on everything. You can't have an opinion on this one because you're going to get us sued. <laughs> this is an interesting one because we're not really telling a story about marketing per se. We're just telling mm, a story mm -hmm. about... I don't know. What are we telling a story about? Well, there's Such marketers that are involved, yeah. right? Like, you know, negative SEO, yeah, right? Where you're not trying to increase your own search ranking positions. You're trying to decrease oh, someone I else's I search this positions. Is black hat marketing. There you go. There go. That's yes. the tie. <laughs> That's the episode's name. That yeah. should be the episode's name. Exactly. These are some black hat e-commerce tactics. This is crazy. This is a really, really crazy story. So let's break the suspense and talk about spiders and pig heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so. Well, so. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just, sorry to all the listeners, but. Can't make this up. Yeah. Here we go. For more than 20 years, David and Ina Steiner run this e-commerce newsletter called E-Commerce Bytes from their home in the suburbs of Boston. So E-Commerce Bytes is it's kind of just like this industry trade type of publication where they have a bunch of different types of content, everything from information on 
shipping and shipping practices and how to improve your shipping times and shipping rates to what payment platforms are the best for you to use in your e-commerce store. It's like a blog type thing. On right now, the latest two articles is the first one about Amazon. It says, would you let Amazon handle your customer service? There's a little Mm. article about Mm -hmm. that written by Ina. And then the second one is intriguing question about eBay's managed payment fees. So it's like Mm. very general review-esque type information about e-commerce sites. It's like very simply designed and it's not very corporate-ish. Yeah, yeah. It's a couple people out of their home running this thing. So in recent years, their writing has mostly focused on dealings of Amazon and eBay. So within the e-commerce space, they focus on the big ones. And they makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Their writings include just kind of overall reviews, news updates of just what's going on in the industry, as well as some criticisms, including analysis of the corporate practices of Amazon and eBay, even diving into what are said at shareholder meetings and how they're approaching managing Wall Street and all of that kind of stuff. And apparently, some of the executives... Allegedly. Apparently, allegedly. (laughs) Apparently, allegedly. This is what we hear in the indictment. Yes. Rumor on the street (laughs) is that some of the executives at eBay were incredibly unhappy with the coverage of their company mm-hmm. on this little site, e-commerce bites. So in August of last year, they begin to take action. Allegedly took action. Yes. So there's just this amazing press conference from the US attorney Andrew Leeling, where he lays out these charges. As you listen to this press conference, it's like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. It's just surreal. Harassment and intimidation against a middle-aged couple living in Natick, Massachusetts. That couple published an online newsletter that reviewed and was sometimes critical of eBay and other e-commerce companies. Jim Baugh, eBay's former senior director of safety and security, is being sought by federal agents in California, while David Harville, eBay's former director of global resiliency, was arrested this morning in New York City. Cool. So we will throw this whole thing. It's pretty long in the show notes. And that's basically like today's episode (laughs) in legal terms, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that's where we got most of our content for today. So he lays out the case and the story just gets bizarre and bizarre and bizarre and just continues and continues. So the case involves six former executives at eBay who were enraged by the negative coverage that the couple were giving eBay in their newsletter. Mm. They couldn't handle the bad press. Ouch. But this is a very small little site. The group included Jim Bach, which is the former director of safety and security, David Harville, which is the former director of global resilience, Mm. and then four others, including one former eBay employee, wait for it, which is a former police captain with the Santa Clara Police Department. <laughs> so all of the illegal activities we're about to hear, there was nobody there that could have told them, hey guys, <laughs> this might be illegal. All six were charged with conspiracy to commit cyber stalking and conspiracy to tamper with an investigation. So let's break the suspense. What did they do? Okay, well, one could say that it all starts when 
the CEO is expressing some frustration mm -hmm. and makes a few comments like, quote, crush this lady and take her down. Hmm. Now, the CEO, the former CEO, and we'll get to him in a minute in more detail, is not indicted. Doesn't appear that he will be, and he claims that he's completely innocent in, in all of this. So we're, we're just taking that at face value. Which I was kind of surprised to find out because there's court papers showing text messages of him and the charged people, like the quotes he has read. So it's just interesting that he's not indicted. Yes. But it is what it is. It is what it is. So that in some way, shape, or form kind of like morphed into a, quote, systematic campaign fueled by the resources of a Fortune 500 company to emotionally and psychologically terrorize the couple with the goal of deterring the couple from writing bad things about eBay. And that's from the press conference that we just listened to later on. So <laughs> yes. the campaign included three phases. Mm. Let's break it down like we break down our marketing campaigns. Yeah. First, sending out disturbing deliveries to their home day and night. Second, sending the couple anonymous threatening messages online. And then third, this is mind-blowing to me, actually physically surveying the couple, including their home near Boston. Mm. So this is not just something that happened once or twice. This was a very strategic Poorly executed campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so Bar directed members of the team to set up anonymous email accounts, cell phones, and internet connections, and bankrolled all of this with prepaid debit cards to send them stuff like fly larva and live spiders. Oh, okay. A box of live cockroaches. <laughs> a sympathy wreath. On the occasion of death of a loved one, remember that couple running this e-commerce thing? Jeez. A book of evidence on how to survive the death of a spouse. So that's like a death threat, essentially. Yeah. Right? Pornograph. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> it's just pornographic mail to the next door neighbor in the couple's name. A Halloween mask featuring... The face of a bloody pig and a pig's fetus, but after an inquiry by the supplier, it was never sent out. So these things are outlined by the AG in that press conference. So yeah, this is real. This really allegedly happened. So how do you even begin to make contact with the supplier of a pig fetus? Like, how does that work? Well, that's why I think the supplier had an inquiry. He's like, hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> Who are you and why do you yeah, want this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow, that's some creativity for sure. So did they like book a conference room at the eBay and whiteboard this out? Like, are you, this is like some calculated bad stuff that they were doing at this point, right? Sending yes. these poor people all these things. Yes. And as crazy as that sounds, that's actually kind of like what happened allegedly is that there were all of these clandestine meetings and instructions and organization of this <laughs> quote-unquote team <laughs> fighting for the purity of eBay. <laughs> of a major corporate company that, yeah, they, Fortune 500. that they just work for. Yes, yes. But go on, please, Chad, go yeah. on, go on. 
Well, of course, as a part of this, they also needed to set up fake social media accounts that were supposedly by people who sell items on eBay and disapproved of the negative coverage of eBay, sending threats, including profane messages that took credit for some of these crazy deliveries that were being sent to kind of misdirect from whom the deliveries were coming. So one example from the press conference, it's a Twitter direct message to the couple And this message arrives 14 minutes after a bloody pig mask Mm -hmm. is delivered to them saying, quote, do I have your attention now? Yo, it's crazy. I mean, that would be absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But you know what? Things grew more complex than surreal at this point. (laughs) They actually flew from California to Massachusetts to physically surveil them at their home and around their town including breaking into their garage to install a GPS tracker in their car. (laughs) And they actually had a a rehearsal session for the installation in a parking lot. I think it was at a Target in plain sight of people practicing how to attach a GPS tracker. But they weren't smart marketers (laughs) because they followed the car in a rental car Mm, that they then swapped out from time to time. So sounds very, you know, CIA kind of... But they weren't that smart because court documents describe how one night after surveilling the couple, the defendants ran up a 750 bill in Boston restaurant and joked about the other things that they can do, including chainsaws, human feces, and a dead rat. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And this rental car, they did it in their own names, right? (laughs) How did this end up in the Marketing Rescue Podcast? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't even know if this is really a fail. It's just like... This doesn't often happen in marketing. Keep on going. Keep on going. (laughs) Yeah. So after this event at this Boston restaurant where they all get together and and joke around, later that night, they send an emergency plumber Mm. to their house Mm -hmm. and they post a classified ad on Craigslist, supposedly from the couple inviting singles, couples, and swingers to party at their house after 10 p.m. each night. And they posted their address. Yes, their contact information, their name, their age, home address on Twitter, (gasps) saying, knock on the door anytime, day or night. We want to party. But wait, there is more. They then set up a strategy to make it look like eBay was helping them stop this harassment. Mm. This is where the marketing comes in at this point. One of the eBay people called them, offering to help them. And then he reported back to what he's learned to his team. At this point, they must probably all in a hotel room, you know, like reporting back to the reconnaissance phone call that he had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Once they realized that the Natick Massachusetts police were involved and were investigating, they set out to deceive the police. Things just get even more brilliant. (laughs) They fabricate and forge eBay documents to try to show that eBay was aware of the situation when it was actually trying to help. And they made up claims that the couple had actually threatened eBay's CEO, which was later documented that that never happened. They met with the police and essentially, according to the police, lied about everything. And ultimately, when they thought they might be tracing the activity back to California and the investigation starts to heat up, 
they make a list of people in Santa Clara who they can frame oh my for this whole harassment what campaign. What are these guys thinking? What are, what are they doing? Like they work for, it's not like their own company, not that that would even be right if it's your own company, Yeah, but they work for a Fortune 500 company. What's the thought process here? Six people doing this together. They go on to then, of course, lie to eBay's in-house lawyers, of course, about the whole scheme and what they've done. They actually sat in on each other's interviews and then coach each other about what to say to the in-house lawyers. And then they ultimately tried unsuccessfully to delete, oh man, to delete text messages and social media posts. But as we know, these things are kind of permanent. <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> Yes, there's really no way you can undo the internet. But wait, there is much more. This is already to the point where it seriously seems like something that is just like a movie script. Right. So like my wife, she loves the Hallmark Channel. And the Hallmark Channel is this channel that like 24-7, and so many women love this. I'm sure there's many that don't, but so many women love this because it's like movie after movie after movie of these like stalkers that stalk you and harass you, these women. And then some handsome guy comes saves and her. saves her and then they fall in love. So let's talk right? about what that means to your marriage, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that for a little bit. This, this episode is already way off the rails. The quarantine's we, probably been very difficult for my wife. We, we, I have a lot of empathy well for talk her. talk about your marriage a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just air it all out. <laughs> but the story actually kind of goes beyond what you could script. Like you couldn't make this stuff up. So it's just crazy. And that's why it has to be on the Marketing Rescue Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness there was this marketers doing this. Otherwise we had no like hook to tell the story. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we saw this story and just had to tell it. So the fact is, even though this is completely unbelievable, it was very effective, as you can imagine. I yeah. mean, just thinking of being on the receiving end of something like this, oh my gosh, it'd be terrifying. So they terrorized these poor people for weeks. The Natick, Massachusetts police were actually the first to uncover the scheme, which they originally thought was all just a series of pranks because they keep getting these reports of all these horrible things happening to these people. And so it, it just develops a pattern that they start checking into. But when the Steiners reported that they were being followed, uh -huh. that's when they're like, okay, we need to really dig into this. But luckily, they were a team of very sophisticated marketers. Yeah, that, that really, <laughs> right? really understood public relations. So the Steiners and, took a photograph, didn't they, of them tailing them? Yes. And then what happened, Chad? So the police <laughs> used that photograph to track the license plate back to Veronica Zia. And Veronica Zia is an interesting character in this story because she's 26 years old. This is her first job out of college. And she was staying at the Ritz Hotel. The Ritz-Carlton <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> with one of the other defendants. Yes, yes, with, with David Harville. After they flew in from California to Massachusetts. Yeah, so they book the hotel in their own name. How do you today, anyway, rent a car in somebody else's name? You need to give your driver's license. Give them some credit here. Come That's on. true. Come That's on. true. They just didn't think that the couple was going to snap pictures of them and send it to yeah. the police. Yeah, they didn't think through the whole, like, fake ID thing, like when you're 18 and you're trying to get into the club. I'm surprised they didn't. I mean, they did right? everything else at this point. <laughs> Why? I mean, jeez. Oh, man. 
They just didn't have a, a James Bond to call. Yeah. James Bond wouldn't have taken their call anyhow. So the police and FBI quickly learned that both Miss Zia and Mr. Carville work for eBay uh-huh. in San Jose. And now the dots are beginning to be connected. This is how we say at this point, things started to hit the fan a little bit. <laughs> Yes, something hits the fan. When I heard this the first time and I read this, why were they so outraged? Like, what on earth could drive six people that work for a corporate Fortune 500 company to act this way? So reputation management is a thing in marketing. Right, but then you're not concerned about small mom and pops writing reviews about you. And if they review about something that's bad, fix it. A hundred is wrong. It doesn't make a right. It's called listen to your customers. And when we do campaigns about reputation management, what it is, is things like soliciting honest reviews and feedback. Chad, don't try to pull this back to marketing. It's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's not terror campaigns. (laughs) Well, according to various reports, actually, it's originally stated when former eBay CEO Devin Winnick enlisted Chief Communications Officer Steve Werner, which is one of the guys in our campaign, in a campaign to prove what they believed was Amazon's practices of paying publications like Steiner's for good press. And then Amazon denies this practice at this point. But ultimately, Winnick and Winner were unable to prove their suspicion. And there's more about Winnick Mm. that we'll hear about in a minute, right? So what happens next depends on who you believe. Yeah, so although it would appear that Ba and his gang were just continuing the next phase of Winnick's campaign against negative reviewers, Winnick claims he knew nothing about what they were doing. So... There's a quote in a Vox article that says from Winnig, on Monday, I read the charges along with everyone else and I was shocked and outraged. And this is a quote that Vox was quoting from Recode. And he goes on to say, it is important for me to reiterate and an independent investigation confirmed. Lawyer wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) That I had nothing to do with and no knowledge of the activities alleged to have occurred. Definitely a lawyer wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) There was no direction, no knowledge, no private understanding, no tacit approval ever. Mm. Sounds a little bit like no quid pro quo. Yeah, exactly. Yes, (laughs) yes. And during this time, he was on vacation in Italy. So he wasn't even in the country. So Winnick had a history, from what we can find, allegedly, supposedly, responding poorly to criticism. When he took over as CEO in 2015, eBay was struggling to compete with Amazon. Winnick intended to get them back on top, so to speak. And he reportedly wore a pirate t-shirt to work many days to symbolize his mindset. What does Mm. that mean? What does it symbolize? Like, what does it mean? What does it symbolize? symbolize? Uh, Help me. Piracy? I think he was trying to, like, we're the underdog. We're the pirates. Yeah. But that kind of like, this has got a lot of negative connotation to it. Because then pirates steal and kill and rape and burn. and Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Former co-workers said that he could be set off by minor slights or comments online. Online. Okay. It's <laughs> very impersonal. <laughs> Strange. So yeah, the Steiners wrote about remarks Winnig made at a shareholder meeting in 2019. 
And according to Weimer, his response was, I couldn't care less what she says, and then said, take her down. And when it claims he was referring to the aggressive campaign that they had embarked on and not to her personally, and that he had no idea that that was completely going to be misinterpreted into this insane campaign against her. I can just see him sit there and say that in his pirate shirt. But anyway, (laughs) so according to the affidavit, the two, Winnick and Weinmer, continue to discuss the problem. They believe that Steiner to be, including a text from Winnick to Weinmer stating, if we're ever going to take her down, now is the time. And then later he said again, I want her done. Then Weiner reportedly responded, I'm on it. Weiner then sent a message to Barr saying, she is the biased troll who must get burnt down. Barr replied back, and then you can find all this stuff online. We'll post it. But he wrote back and he said, copy that. I have a plan B. I'll put it into motion. It'll take two weeks. But perhaps the most damning thing was Weiner's reply. He said, I'll embrace managing any negative fallout. We need to stop her. And who is Weimer? (laughs) He's the PR and communications (laughs) director for eBay. He is the PR communications director, correct. He's, yes. (laughs) He just went to a different PR school than most PR people. (laughs) Right? I mean, this is the affidavit that's public now. And it is interesting that the CEO is not charged. Yeah. And when asked about it, the Massachusetts attorney said that it's an ongoing investigation. And I can't comment on whether or not individual one or individual two, which are Winnig and Weimer. Executive one, executive two. Executive one, executive two. Whether or not that they will be indicted, he says it's an ongoing investigation, can't comment. Right. So don't comment. Yeah. Yeah. So no comment. (laughs) So yeah, ultimately neither Winnig or, or Weimer have been charged with any crimes at this point. And eBay's statement says, the internal investigation found that while Mr. Winnig's communications were inappropriate, There was no evidence that he knew in advance about or authorized the actions that were later directed toward the blogger and her husband. Winnig resigned in the wake of the scandal, and eBay's statement says there were, quote, a number of considerations leading to his departure from the company. So I bet you that Weiner didn't write that. (laughs) But he was supposed to, because he's... (laughs) He's a bit of PR. Right. Yeah, he's the guy that's supposed to be. That was his number two that yes. wrote that. Yes. He was embracing the fallout. Man, so stepping back from this sheer absurdity of this entire whole thing, how on earth can something like this happen? Whether Winnick directly authorized the campaign, well, let's call it a campaign because this is a marketing podcast, the campaign or not, any company... I'm just a philosopher. Any company is a direct reflection of their leadership. We've talked about this at length on the show, right? About Campbell and about how Doug turned it around and how it's like a window into the companies, how people act, ladders back up to their leadership. So I'm not going to make any assumptions here. I'm just going to say that that's historically what we see on (laughs) the show. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality is, regardless of this scenario, that if I have problems in my company, whether it's problems with employees doing things they shouldn't be doing, I have employees treating other employees badly, that's my fault as a leader because it's my company. I'm the one in charge, right? I set the tone. And so I am the one that should 
take responsibility. And here's another question for you, which I don't necessarily want you to answer from a sure. legal standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not qualified, so. <laughs> no, I just mean like, I don't want us to get sued, is that ultimately if the CEO is not legally to blame here, doesn't Winnick bear the blame for the establishing a culture where you could see this being okay? Or is this true just six rogue marketers or is this a spear of the organization's culture that they mm. cultivate there? Tip of the spear kind of thing. Yeah. Like, what is this? Is this like... Well, we don't know. Okay. That's um, good. Okay, stop there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't... We can conjecture. We don't know everything that happened behind closed doors, what all of the circumstances were leading up to this. But I tend to be of the thinking that where there's smoke, there's fire. And like we just talked about, you got to take accountability and responsibility for the culture of your company. And the fact is, at the end of the day, six of his employees now face up to five years in prison, fines of up to a quarter million dollars. And this is, again, a publicly traded company, right? There's a board of directors. There's an entire massive leadership team, an executive team of senior executives, junior executives. There's PR people. There's Sarbanes-Oxley. Yeah, they there's audits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's like all these things <laughs> that should provide safety nets and catch points for things like this to nip this kind of stuff in the bud. And yet somehow it proliferates into full fruition. It's one of those ones that we'll give an update as the case commence. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week. You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Katsia and Chad Childress, the co-founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, contact the hosts, and discover fantastic bonus content.